0: this show is brought to you by mcdonald's if y'all know me you know i love me some potatoes in all forms but especially fries and you also know i love being a tia more than anything else in this world so when i think of mcdonald's fries i can't help but think of my nephews ezekiel gio emilio and elias because they love mcdonald's and mcdonald's has actually been at the core of our most cherished and common bonding moments after their soccer practice they'd come over sweaty and hangry, We'd get them packed up in the car, go to McDonald's drive-thru and order four kids' meals. They'd compare toys and all I'd hear in the back is, oh man, you got the one I wanted. And they would of course start eating in the car cause they can never wait till we get home. But the best part, in my opinion, is taking their fries and they're not looking cause y'all know it's impossible to resist papitas even when they're not yours. Whether I'm taking my nephews to McDonald's or I'm enjoying a breakfast platter with my host after an early church service, can't deny that it's been part of the familia. As my nephews would say, McDonald's, I'm loving it. What's good, familia? It's your girl, Lali's Jasmine, and welcome to Hello Latino. Y'all are going to love this episode. Y'all are going to hear from Carlos Flores. He is such a beautiful human doing amazing work in the academic field. And to give you all a little more insight, he's a doctoral candidate pursuing a PhD in counseling, and his current research focuses on the intersection of Latino, Latinx, and LGBTQ identity. And funny enough, in this episode, you'll hear more about why he chose to go into that research work and his own journey in navigating those very things. Let's hear from Carlos Flores. He's here, (laughs) y'all. Welcome, Carlos. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Shout out to Leanne for the introduction. I have so many questions that I want to ask you so much of your story that I want to know, but just want to first thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. You know, when I read about the podcast and the spirit behind it, I was like, this is amazing. I'm so glad that we have this um, chance to share our stories with with other people who might share in that experience. So thank you for putting this together.
0: Oh, I love that. And how often do we have a chance to just tell our story, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like we just don't have enough of those those moments, those chances. So yeah, <sighs> appreciate you. I want to start with the first question that I feel like is always a loaded question for our community. Um, How do you identify, Carlos, and why?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a great question. Um, So I would say I identify as Latino, um, primarily Puerto Rican. My parents were born in Puerto Rico, but I was born in New Jersey. Uh, But I was raised with Puerto Rican food and music and tradition. So Um, being Puerto Rican is a really important part of my identity. Uh, I also identify as gay. I came out when I was about 19 years old, uh, and it's been a journey of self-discovery at Verston. So that's another big part of my identity. Uh, And I also identify as first generation. I was uh, the first in my immediate family to go to college and to complete my bachelor's degree, then my master's. And now, thankfully, I'm pursuing my PhD. Uh, So it's been a a long and winding journey, many, many years in school, but I also identify as a nerd. So I love being in school. I love being a student. Um, And education was something that was always really important in my family. So I think that's sort of where the drive towards, you know, going to school and and doing well academically really stemmed from also.
0: Mm, I love that you said I identify as a nerd.
1: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally.
0: (laughs) But amazing, amazing accomplishments and also happy Pride of Month. It's June. Yeah. Um, so I hope you're celebrating every day, all day. Um, and oh, I have yeah. to share my my love for Puerto Rico because my partner, he's Puerto Rican. His mom is Puerto Rican and they are just like engrossing me in Puerto Rican culture mm-hmm. um, as I am with Honduran culture. So I, okay, love, cool, I love nice have the representation.
1: <laughs> yeah, you bring them mixed up together so that's really yeah. cool yeah. so
0: carlos there's so much that i'm like okay well you've told me these these things that you you identify mm-hmm. as now i want to break it down and i want to just kind of go through your story and your journey so uh, like talk to me about little carlitos walking around um, navigating first gen life like talk about your upbringing where did you mm-hmm. grow up and you know like just talk a little bit about what that was like in new jersey
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in downtown Jersey City. Shout out to Jersey City. Um, It's considered the most diverse city in the US. And growing up, I really felt that. I really um, experienced just being surrounded by so many people, so many kids in school that were from all different parts of the country and all different parts of the world. You know, I felt really great to, um, you know, see kids who had similar uh, immigration stories as my family but also ones that were completely different right and sort of seeing that seeing that diversity growing up I think helped me as I grew older to really appreciate uh, getting to know people from different backgrounds and different walks of life and really having an appreciation for that and also probably fueled my interest in a lot of the research that I do in terms of exploring different identities and exploring multiculturalism in the US. Um, so that was really my upbringing was being surrounded by so many diverse people in a, in a community that was also tight knit. So we had uh, people from all different types of backgrounds in different countries, but it also felt like we were united. You know, we had each other's backs and we understood the struggle of, you know, being in this country as a marginalized person, as a person of color. And even though our journeys were different, sort of understanding the struggle and 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 supporting each other in that way. So it was really a great community to grow up in.
0: Mm. And and talk I wanna backtrack. So one step back, did your parents, did they immigrate here, were you part of that immigration story or were you born and raised in the US? I'm curious to know. I love hearing the immigration
1: story. Yeah. So my parents uh, were born and raised in Puerto Rico in the same town, actually. Uh, So they met while they were there. (laughs) Yeah, they met when they were teenagers. And uh, right around once they turned 18, they moved over to the mainland US to New Jersey, primarily to better themselves economically. You know, both of my parents grew up in you know, I would stay close to poverty. You know, they lived in what we call the campo, which is the, 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 mountains essentially in Puerto Rico. Um, literally I was actually, interestingly enough, I was trying to find the places where they grew up on Google earth, you know, how you can like sort of zoom in on different yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. And even to this day, like when you try to zoom into where they grew up, the streets are not named, it's like unnamed streets in the middle of the mountains in Puerto Rico. Wow. So they grew up really struggling, uh, financially, you know, they, they had food, they had clothes, but that was really it, you know, and they had each other. And so family was always really important. Uh, so around the age of 18, they both moved over to the U to New Jersey to try to find more economic opportunity here. And so they reconnected when they got here and they got married and it went on from there. And then they had me, uh, while they were here in New Jersey.
0: But you said they reconnected? So they mm-hmm. they like went their separate ways and moved yeah, to yeah. the so, U.S.? So yeah, they, <sighs>
1: they weren't officially together. They moved around the same time to the same place and like reconnected.
0: Wow. You know? And, and from,
1: from their town, you know, there were a lot of people that were coming to the same places here. Um, right. And so when they were here is really when they sort of formalized that, that relationship.
0: That is so beautiful. How does that make you feel knowing that like love story?
1: You know, it's so interesting because I think back, sometimes I think back at moments in other people's lives that directly affected me. Like if my if my mom decided to stay in Puerto Rico and my dad had moved to New Jersey, like they would have never reconnected and I would have never been born, right? So if, I always think of those moments it's like so happenstance you know or serendipitous Mm. in a way where it's like so much of it is chance in a way and Mm. so it it just makes me feel grateful you know that those moments occurred that paved the way for me to be here in this world
0: I I love that and you're talking about growing up in in New Jersey and you're surrounded by culture and one of the things I want to highlight from what you said was you had a community that just had each other's backs and I feel like that's something I wrote a post recently on LinkedIn talking about, you know, like growing up in the hood teaches you a lot, right? About just life and skills that like you wouldn't think would help you in corporate spaces or in your career or in school, but it does. And one of the things that I personally took away from growing up in those areas was community. And, you know, people would think, oh, you know, like, Odalis Jasmine, Carlos, they didn't have a lot growing up, you know, but I'm like, you're right from a financial standpoint, but man, I had a community, I had a family, mm-hmm. I had people who just loved on me and supported each other, gave each other, you know, the little coins they had to just like help and it, it's just it's a beautiful thing to grow up in a place where there is a lot of struggle but within the struggle there's so many people who understand it so they have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, totally. You know, I think back to like when I was when I was little and like you said, my family didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot growing up um in Jersey City. And I remember like every time around Christmas time I would be thinking about like, oh my friends would get all these gifts and all these presents and all these you know, things that money can buy. And and I didn't have as many of those. And I remember really feeling down about that when I was younger. But like you said, now that I'm older, I look back and I see all those things that I had that were not monetary, that were not financial, you know, the community that I had, the friends that I had down the block that understood what my life was like, you know, all my family members that that lived all within Jersey City, who at a drop of a hat, would come over if I needed help or I needed something, right? Or something happened. Th- those are things that now, as an adult, I value so much more than than the financial, you know, pieces of it all.
0: Yeah, and I wanna I wanna ask you a question. As you were sharing, you know, growing up and seeing so much culture and bonding over this same like immigration story and and you know whatnot. Did you Did you know like how to vocalize those things? Like, oh, I'm growing up around a lot of culture. Everyone is an immigrant here. Like, did you have those words? Like, did Mm -hmm. you really know what was going on? No, right? Like, when did did that start to come together?
1: Oh, yeah. Great question. So, uh, growing up in that space, it was sort of, it's almost like a fish in water. Like, you don't really notice the water around you because that's what you're surrounded with every day, right? You sort of take it for granted in some ways. It wasn't Mm -hmm. until I was... 13 and my family moved us to Florida to a pretty, I would say, rural, ex urban type of area. So, going from completely urban to rural Florida, where uh, it was predem- predominantly white community, that's when it really struck me the, the differences, you know, in terms of how I grew up versus now as a teenager you know, being in this new community where I didn't see a lot of people like me. And I didn't feel like I could relate to a lot of people in terms of my family's culture and my family's history. Um, So that's really the the turning point for me in terms of starting to feel like, oh, I'm different. Like I feel like I don't necessarily belong in this space. Whereas before that, I, I never even thought about those types of concepts
0: wow i wanted to ask you because i feel like that's such a common thing like i I don't know how many times i've heard like i didn't know i was growing up in the hood until i left or i didn't know i was poor Mm -hmm. until you know a certain point where i had money or like i didn't know these things but you you know the feeling right you know the feeling of community you know the feeling of you don't belong and you're 13 years old that's a that's a rough age in itself of just like life happening to you (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh can you talk about that moment like how was how was it like to go from culture beauty community to a place where people didn't look like you was that your first encounter with imposter syndrome I don't know if hey. a lot of 13 year olds have that language but <laughs> was that your first like experience with it like talk about navigating those first few experiences moving over there
1: Yeah totally that was definitely my first experience with that and and also it was just my immediate family that moved my parents and my my two sisters and I. So all the extended family I had, my cousins, my aunts and uncles all stayed in Jersey city. And so not only was I Latin now in this, like, this new environment, but I also didn't have a lot of the support system that we had in New Jersey. So that made it just a little bit tougher also, I think, to navigate that. Um, the other thing I noticed, uh, was when I was in Florida when I was going to school, a lot of the kids and the students were sort of self segregating, right? So you had like clusters of like all the Puerto Rican kids, the few of us that were there, like they all were together mm-hmm. at the at their own lunch table, right? And like <laughs> all the you know Asian kids were in their own table. Like it was very much segregated or, for the most part along those like racial ethnic lines. And that was something that I didn't know how to navigate because in Jersey city, it was like, we were all mixed together all the time. And so in that, in Florida, I didn't feel like I fit in necessarily just in the Puerto Rican group because, you know, there were so many other things about my identity that were important to me, not just being Puerto Rican. And I, but I also didn't feel like I fit in in some of the other cliques either. So it almost felt like, like navigating these islands. And sort of like, where do I fit in? You know, and that question of like, where do I belong? And like feeling like, oh, I might have to choose certain identities over others if I want to join this group or that group.
0: Oof, what, you just said something incredible of having to choose your identity. Mm. So many, so many thoughts running through my head. And how much of that still happens to our communities in, in every space, in academia, in corporate, in life, right? I want to ask you a question. This may be loaded, but when during that period of your life, when did you feel comfortable to bring all of your identities to the table? Or is that still something that you're navigating Mm -hmm. to this day?
1: I think it wasn't until I I was heading towards college and really when I was living at college and I was surrounded by, again, you know, I went then back into a community that was people from all different places, all different backgrounds and experiences. It wasn't until I was back in that type of environment that I felt like I could start bringing my whole authentic self back to the table because when I was in middle school and high school, when they was very segregated like that, that's when I felt like, okay, I almost felt like I had to break myself up into certain pieces, you know, but now when I was back around other people, like different types of people, that's when I was like, okay, like. I can talk to that person about my nerdy stuff. And I can talk to this person about my Puerto Ricanness, you know? And also that's the time when I started to come out in terms of my sexuality. And it was really through meeting people in college who were out and proud and living authentically, seeing them as role models helped me to start to feel like I could also live authentically as well.
0: Oof. You know, one of the things that I always say is to feel seen is to feel validated and you being in a space back where there's culture, color, identities of all types and having, I love that you said out and proud episode Mm -hmm. title. (laughs) Um, But I love just hearing you talk about just to see the representation, just, just to see people who are unapologetically them gives you all the courage and empowerment to do the same. And I feel like it's such a, this is why I created a podcast for the first generation, you know, like community, because we are so tied, right? We're so like, in between, like our culture and this American culture. And in between this, like, my parents are super like Latino old school, they're immigrants, right? Immigrant culture, versus I'm a US citizen, and I'm navigating this space. Like, it's such a weird place to be in and even more so navigating identity and that on top of it is a lot. And so I love hearing just people saw you and it it like caused you to see yourself, right? And you're like, I'm enough. I'm enough to just be. And I just think to to feel seen is just to feel validated. It's it's so real. Y'all know this platform is all about celebrating La cultura and showing up as your authentic self. And that's why I'm Extra excited that today's episode is brought to you by Chispa. This is an app that you can download on your phone right now if you're looking for love, trying to meet new people, or to find the next novio or novia you're bringing to the family party. So check this out. Chispa is the number one dating app para Latinos. This is a place where you can connect with someone like you, someone who loves nuestra cultura, someone you can be your authentic self with, and someone who can be abuelita approved y'all know i'm currently in a relationship with someone who's proud of his puerto rican roots and let me tell you it's so nice to be with somebody who loves the music the food the culture just as much as i do but most importantly i love that there are certain things i don't have to explain o sea i can be hella latina and he just hella loves it so if you're single go on chispa find your boricua Bay, your Hondureno, Bay, tu colombiana tu cubanito and the next time your tia starts asking y el novio or they want to set you up on a blind date con el vecino, just download Chispa to meet your next papacito or mamacita to introduce them to. Uno nunca sabe, something amazing can come out of it. Check out Chispa, tell your single friends too, it's free. Time to meet your media naranja.
1: Totally, totally. And I think the other thing too that was helpful both in high school and college was I, I, I thought out I don't know now like looking back if it was intentional or not I guess to a certain extent maybe it was but I I feel like I intentionally sought out friendships with different people from different walks of life you know like one of my best friends to this day I met in high school she immigrated from Vietnam when she was a little kid and had to learn English by watching Disney Disney cartoons you know and Mm -hmm. and so there's some similarity there but also just having the freedom to feel like I don't have to limit myself and put myself in a box or in a click, right, or anything like that, I can decide who I surround myself with, and what types of conversations I want to have with people. And I think that that was also freeing in that way.
0: Mm, mm. I, I want to ask you a question about, you know, this period of your life, I feel like, you're growing you're learning you're you're embracing your identity and you're talking about coming out how was that moment and this is something that i've i used to struggle with a lot in my in my life is just my identity outside of my home and then my identity with my family is very different sometimes curious if that was an experience you had and if so what was that experience like coming out to your parents just for the folks who are listening on the call who might be going through a similar experience um what was that experience like and, and just walk us through that that moment.
1: Yeah, great question. You know, I want to start by prefacing as you know that like everyone's experience is going to be slightly different. Um so for me, my family in addition to being Puerto Rican was also very religious, um Catholic to be specific. So growing up, you know, we would go to church every Sunday and you know, it wasn't always explicitly said, but I still picked up on the cues that for a lot of a lot of people, um, for some people within the Catholic Church, they might view being gay as a bad thing, right, or like a sinful. So that's something that some cues that I picked up growing up um, in my religious community. And so, Once I started to feel like, okay, I can be my authentic self and I want to share that with with people in my life and I wanna share that with my family, it was pretty scary to think about doing that because even though I didn't know exactly how they would react, I felt like they might not be as supportive because of some of those messages I was hearing growing up through the church. And so it was really intimidating to think about coming out to my family so I first actually came out to some of my friends at college, uh, which is also nerve wracking, but I felt like I could be more certain that they would be more on the supportive end of things. So I came out to some of my friends in college and they were very supportive and very warm and, and welcoming. And so that gave me the confidence to then feel like, okay, I can, I can tell members of my family. Um, and there were some members of my family who were supportive from day one, and then there were other members of my family who initially were um not accepting of my identity and had a really hard time with it um, primarily because of the religious or messages that they perceived from their religion you know yeah um so that was that was a pretty difficult experience because it sort of shifted the dynamic between me and my family where Now I felt sort of like as you were saying that I had to sort of put one persona up around certain family members and then have my more authentic persona, my more authentic self, you know, do that when I'm not around those family members. So it just created this really difficult dynamic in a lot of ways, which was difficult initially Mm. at least.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that. I know it's a very vulnerable thing to share, so I appreciate just trusting the space. Um, and I, I just wanna, wanna give you all the affirmations that this is so. It's such a hard thing to do. I personally like cannot relate to it, but just knowing how difficult it is to have put your identity out there, all your vulnerability out there, to a family that believes and thinks a certain way. And I love that you had support where, where it was and that you're navigating this, these most difficult parts, but that there's still love at the end of the day, I would hope. Yeah. But just applauding your bravery, like that's, that's a very brave thing to do. And especially in a community where Latinos, I, I love us and I love our communities and our parents and our, all of it. But like. They're very set in their ways, right? Very stubborn, tercos como decimos nosotros. But like, I love that you had the bravery to do that. And just shout out to anyone who's listening, who is also kind of going through that journey and and stepping into that bravery.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And fortunately, over time, you know, most of the people that initially had an issue with it have become more open and more, um, more inclusive in their in their thinking. And I think. Part of it is because, like I said earlier, family was so important in my family. And even when people were not accepting initially about my gay identity, they didn't like fortunately kick me out of the house, right? Or like disown me or anything like that. They still would constantly say that they loved me and that they cared about me and they would check up on me. So it was difficult, but I also see the privilege in the, in the fact that like my family was still there for me throughout the whole journey. And as an adult, um, as I get older, (laughs) I've also learned to separate the person from that initial response because I know that they were raised in a certain way, in a certain time, in a certain culture, right? With certain values, uh, you know, they they weren't necessarily in control of those things, the, the society that they were born into, right? Or the messages that they received growing up. Um, for yeah. me, it's no much more focusing now, now that we know this information and we're all adults here, what do you do with that information moving forward, right? Do you, do you try to learn more? Do you ask questions? Do you try to grow and, and expand how you view things, right? Or like you said, do you stay stubborn and stick to your ways, you know? And so for me, it's more yeah. important, like not where someone starts, but sort of what they do to move forward in, in that relationship unfortunately most of my family now has accepted me for the most part and, and it's open um, and inclusive in that way so I'm very grateful for that.
0: Oh shout out to la familia and yes, uh, shout out to are...
1: everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I loved like you were sharing this and you had um, talked about just growing over the years and really separating the person from how they grow up and I feel like that's on growth like a hundred percent and I, I was listening to you like "Ooh, this is grown things because i feel like you really grow up and you're you're thinking a certain way like you had mentioned it earlier but i used to be so upset of like i can't go to my friend's house i can't do this i can't do that like yeah couldn't, couldn't go to any dances for school couldn't go anywhere mm-hmm. and i remember being so angry and And just uh, a year ago, I took my my partner to where I grew up because, you know, I just feel like it's really important to understand where you come from, especially in a partnership. And so I showed him Southeast San Diego shout out Um, and he was just kind of like, I understand why your parents didn't let you out of the house, you know, and we had a whole conversation around. You know, the way our parents grow up, it's it's through what they know, and it's to protect, to keep the family totally. united, to have these ideals, this religion, because Dios lo hace todo, right? Like, there's a lot of beliefs, but it all is rooted in love, protection, and taking care of that family unit. And just kind of putting things into perspective and having, honestly, calling yourself out for just growing up and, and seeing your parents as humans and not these superheroes that you thought they were in your head. Like They can be both. They can be both a human that is flawed and in, in all its beauty and glory, but they can also be these superheroes that gave us everything. So I yeah. think it's, it's yeah, something I that, that. I've, I've kind of learned to, to accept too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's sort of seeing the world in a more nuanced way, right? It's not black and white. There's so much so much gray to it. You know, like I when I mentioned earlier about growing up in the church and hearing these messages about being gay and all that stuff. Obviously that was hurtful and that was that affected me in a negative way, but there were also many things about being part of our church community that were positives that that I benefited from. Again, having people outside of my family who became like family to us, right. And were there and supported us and had our back, um, learning the value of giving back to your community and helping someone when they're in need. Like those are values that are so important to me and have influenced like the career that I've chosen to, to be primarily helping other people. And that came mostly from our religious background and values. So I think there's always two sides, right. To, to things it's, it's ne- It's never as black and white as maybe when we we're growing up, we're thinking about it.
0: Uh, it never is. It never is. And it, you're speaking about career and you mentioned earlier, you are uh, you identify as a nerd. So you've been in school for all these years. Oh my talk gosh, us, so many talk years. Us that ju- <laughs> talk us through that journey of you're in college, you're owning your identity, you're going through these like just different experiences coming out to your friends and family Talk about that post feeling. Did you feel like you belonged? Are you still navigating that? Like, Talk about just your experiences post-college and
1: post-coming out. Yeah, so definitely after uh, the first time coming out and seeing that my friends were very supportive in college, uh, but also that I had my struggles with some of my family members, it really motivated me to want to help other people who were going through a similar experience. So... I wanted to pursue a career where I could work with LGBTQ people to help them find that acceptance and that support. Um, and so that sort of led me towards a career in towards counseling. That was my initial goal uh, was to be a mental health counselor, and that was that was also tied into my own experiences. When I was in college around this time, I also sought out mental health services uh, for my own. Mental well being. And that's also, I guess, another part of my identity that it's not one that I talk as openly ab- about because, as you know, it takes a lot of vulnerability to talk about mental health. But um, I struggled as a college student after coming out with anxiety um, and also with OCD. And I saw counseling at my college counseling center and it completely changed my life. And I remember leaving my counselor's office from our last session and I told her, thank you so much for what you've done. I want to go out and do what you did for me, for other people. Mm-hmm. And that, that sent me on a track towards studying counseling in my master's program. And then I started working more on, on our college campus with student leaders on campus. I became really involved on campus and then I started to shift gears to say, oh, I really like working in higher education but still having sort of that counseling perspective, still helping people talk through what are some of the issues that are going on for you? What are some of the questions you have navigating college, navigating life, your professional life, and how can I be of support to you? And that's sort of what I've gone with for the past few years is working as an advisor for college students, um, specifically in terms of career and professional development and helping them. To have all the information and knowledge they need to be able to be successful as they move forward.
0: Mm, well, you're doing important work, Carlos. We need more people like you who are connecting our folks to opportunities, right, and career advancement, and education, and uh, all the things. So, shout out to you and what you're doing. For la comunidad. Thank, when you, you, thank that. you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and you know, I I just remember when I was a college student, like because again, I was the first one in my family. If I had questions, I felt like I had to figure it out all on my own. And mm. fortunately, I feel like I had that drive and that motivation to do it, to like seek out those answers if I had them. But I know not everyone has that or not ab- not everyone is able to because they might be juggling a lot of responsibilities at home or um, life circumstances, health circumstances. So if I can help make someone else's life just a little bit easier and maybe give them... Some information they didn't know about before, or resources they didn't have access to before, that makes their path a little bit easier. That's really what makes my work so worthwhile for me.
0: Oh, don't don't talk about this first Shen College student thing because that was a whole experience. Um, but you know what? Like, I I give so much love and shout out to to my mom and all the people that helped me throughout my journey because I remember applying for schools and. I was just overwhelmed and I remember just crying. Like, I don't know what FAFSA is. I don't know how to apply for these things. And I just remember just like being so emotional and my mom being the mama of there, she is, she didn't have all the knowledge. She didn't even know how to help me, but she's like, I know some people. And she called up anyone she knew, like, do you know how to do mm-hmm. this? Do you know how to do that? And I will forever have so much love for her because she, and that's what our parents do and they're resourceful. AF right oh, yeah. like they will find people ways to connect you to anything that you need and at that time my brother had applied for colleges um and the guy who helped him who mentored him through it was through this EOP program that I couldn't be a part of cuz it's a whole different story but I couldn't be a part of the EOP program because I went to a different high school that wasn't in the hood right um, mm. and so my mom calls him up and she says, Tony, like my daughter needs help. She doesn't know how to do this. I don't know how to help her. Like we don't even understand what we're reading. And, uh, shout out to Tony. He calls himself the Chicano counselor. Um, but he helps more Latinos, (laughs) first gen immigrants get into college. And I remember crying to him and he's like, we're going to figure this out. Like, stop crying. Let's do this work. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, but just that whole experience is super hard. And I feel like it, there's so much gratitude for people like you and the Tonys and the other counselors out there who just know that struggle of applying for schools and are trying to make it just a little bit easier for other folks that are in school, going to school, thinking about school, and thinking about their careers because. Be the representation you wish you had when you were younger, right? Like I wish I could have had someone to say, "Hey, you want a career in this? Like, here's how to get there." Um, instead of like the whole world is free, go and do your thing, you know? Like, yeah. okay,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a so my my older sister's oldest son just graduated high school like yesterday, and talk about feeling oh, congrats. old. I'm feeling old. <laughs> yes, I'm so proud. Him. Shout out to Ivan who's out there. Um, Shout out, but <laughs> he he's in the process of like figuring out what he wants to do next, right? Does he want to go to college? Yeah. What does he want to study? And you know, when I visited him recently a couple of weeks ago, and he asked me for advice and suggestions, and that just made me feel so good to know, like, okay, he doesn't have to navigate this on his own. He's not the first one anymore, right? Like, he has people that he can turn to now and ask for help or ask questions. Uh, and so that just made me feel like, it just made me feel so good, you know, mm. to know that the next generation now is not is not the first. I mean, there's still going to be struggles and challenges for every generation, but just knowing that they can turn to us now for help just feels really, really good.
0: It feels, oh, you just reminded me of my nephew who also graduated high school. Talk about getting old. <laughs> um but he, he, so my oldest brother, there's seven of us, I'm the youngest, the, my oldest brother, um, he moved to the US like seven, eight years ago. So fairly recent. So my nephew in a way is first gen of his immediate family. And I, I got a call, my my oldest brother and I have a great relationship. He's so, he's our favorite, but He doesn't like always call. He's not the brother to be like, oh, hey, like, how you doing? You know? Um, And so I was driving. This happened a month ago. But I was driving and I get a call from Jose Lucio and I'm like, huh. It's one of those calls where I'm like, I have to pick up because he doesn't do this often. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, hola, you know, and he's like, we need your help. Um, Angels graduating school. He's trying to apply for college. I think he's too late, but I don't. we don't know how to help him. They don't speak the language. They don't read the language. They're just like, we don't know how to help him. And he's like, the first person I thought of was you. Like, you can help him. And that feeling, I'm going to hold on to it forever because we struggle. We go, I'm getting emotional just talking about it. But we go through all these struggles. We go through the hard parts so we can make it easier so that we can be that person in the family that's like, oh, you know, a niño la a niña has to apply for school, like talk to Carlos or talk to Olaliz, talk to your sister, talk to your brother. Like that's to me, it's the most special thing that I think first generation folks that we have is that gift of knowledge that it may have taken so long to get it and acquire it, but the gift of knowledge and giving it back to our communities, our families, it is so powerful. And I I talked to Anhil and I just, he just vented about his experience. It's like, this is so hard. My my mom and my dad are telling me to do it, but I don't know how to do it. And, you know, his his other struggles in navigating college, it's a whole different story. But I think to your point, they're not the first anymore. And they're in their family as a unit, as all of us together. And we can be that that guidance, right?
1: Yeah. <sighs> it's powerful. Yeah. I feel like it makes it feel worth it. You know, it makes the struggle mm. feel worth it when you have those moments when you can make someone else's path a little bit easier. You know, even when I think about coming out in my family and, and the struggle that that was, like, now I feel like if if someone else in my family were to come out, you know, they'll have me as a support and they'll have someone that they can turn to to be like, okay, how should I navigate this within our family like. You know, and and that also feels like okay. It was hard, but it was worth it. Not just for myself, but for what I can provide to other people now.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. And as you we were talking, I'm like, I had a an epiphany moment. But I wonder if our parents, looking at us, you know, looking at you finishing up your PhD, or you know, me with the pod, like when they look at us, they probably feel the exact same way, right? We're like. Yeah, it was worth it. It was worth it. Like, I'm just having this moment right now. I'm like, oh, my parents sacrificed totally. everything, right? Like our family sacrificed everything. And to look at us just to see that everything that they did, every sacrifice was worth every was worth every struggle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have chills when, when you were saying right. that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, just thinking about like every generation's struggle is different right but if we can look forward and say okay the next generation right is doing just a little bit better or has a little bit more i think i think that makes it again feel so worthwhile
0: Mm. oh stories
1: (laughs) (laughs) and
0: it, it really is about just paving the way and and making it easier for the next generation i know we're coming up on time um and I have so many more questions I want to ask you, but we're we're now in your in your story and your journey. We're at this this place in your life where you're finishing up school and you're now working as a counselor. What what's next for you? What how else do you want to keep inspiring and and getting our community connected to their identity, to college, to career? What else what else is out there for you?
1: Yeah. So so my first goal in this next year is to finish this PhD. Uh, so I'm hoping for May 2023 graduation and putting it out there into the universe. So all of you listening <laughs> can hold me accountable.
0: <laughs> yes, um, manifest it.
1: <laughs> yes, manifesting. Um, so that's really my goal is to finish the PhD. Right now I'm finishing up my study, which is focused on similar to what we're talking about now. I'm, I'm studying, or I'm, I'm listening to people's stories, people who identify as both lat- Latino or Latinx and LGBTQ who have experienced some form of rejection from their family of origin and have become part of a chosen family. And that's was inspired by my own, you know, experiences as we've talked about today. So my goal is to finish my PhD, but also to get these stories out there for people to hear and to listen about what it's like to be Latino and an LGBTQ um, to hopefully garner some more empathy and some more understanding in our communities. Um, so that's really next is the PhD. And from there also hoping to continue to get to talk to people about um, you know, how to become more inclusive in our work. That's something that's really a passion of mine. And I've been fortunate to speak at certain professional associations and different organizations about how can we keep in mind all of these different intersectional identities that people hold especially in our workplaces and and in the work that we do. So people can feel like they can be more of their authentic selves in in the workplace where people spend so much of their time and so much of their day. So I'm hoping to continue to do that outreach and that education. Um, I love being able to talk to people about these topics and sort of brainstorm with them, like how can we all be more inclusive and more empathetic and more understanding?
0: Mm, I, that's amazing work. And to the questions that you were kind of talking about right now, like, what is it like to be Latino and LGBTQ? That's a question for you. How is it like for you? Or I guess let me rephrase, how do you bring all of your identities to the workplace or to any space that you walk into? Because we talked about your journey, about you feeling like you don't belong to feeling like you can finally come out. How do you now bring your full, authentic self to the table?
1: Mm, Yeah, I think it starts with sort of finding those spaces where I feel most comfortable being my authentic self and my full self. So things like, you know, when I was applying to jobs, right? Like trying to find an environment, trying to assess whether this is going to be a place where people are open and welcoming. Mm -hmm. And like, do I see people that are like me, right? Or that could be like me? Um, so sort of like taking stock of what like, the environment might be like that I'm walking into. But also I think for me, once I'm in an environment, it's focusing on building relationships with people because I think that having a relationship with someone is the foundation for understanding and for for people to really understand who you are and vice versa and for that trust to develop between people and between groups. Um, because without that trust, we might not feel safe enough to bring our authentic self. But if you mm-hmm. have a culture where it's a value, not just to say you're inclusive, but to actually live it in terms of bringing people together, bringing people together to share stories, to share about themselves, to be vulnerable. I think if you have a culture like that, I think it's conducive for people to feel like, okay, I can I can bring my authentic self to this workplace or to this you know, class or to this family get-together even, you know?
0: Mm. All the spaces that we take up, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We're out of time. I have two more questions for you. One, how can people connect with you, hear more about who you are, talk to you, reach out, all of that?
1: Yeah, the best way is definitely to LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm there like every day. Represent. Yeah, LinkedIn. So drop me a message on LinkedIn if you want to connect or talk or learn more. And um, and you can also follow, you know, I'll post every so often about different updates, particularly around my, my dissertation that I'm working on. So definitely check out there for any update on my journey. Um, so that would be the best way for people to connect with me.
0: I love it. Latino with a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, one last question and this is our closing mm-hmm. for the episode i have my cafecito in honor of it it's not my branded oh, nice. cafecito i usually have so uh, yeah. but if you have your cafecito water i have whatever just water <laughs> just water we need water yes. especially hydrating it's, it's three o'clock <laughs> we're <Yeah>. hydrated <laughs> um yeah. don't follow me and drink coffee at three um <laughs> oh that was like a little bit of a rhyme anyways um This is our closing, and what I like to do here is I like to give you the space to manifest some good for our Latino community. So, Carlos, what do you want to cheers to and what do you want to manifest for for us?
1: I want to cheers to all the people out there who are in the struggle, in the hustle, who may sometimes feel like you're the only one going through something, uh, but recognize that you're not alone that you have people out there who want to be a helpful person that wants to give back to the community and not being afraid to reach out and ask that question or make that connection or just say hi you know i saw your your profile and i, I just wanted to connect with you you know don't don't be afraid of doing that because you never know who's going to be out there that wants to help you out along your journey
0: cheers Salud. thank you for being on the show World's-
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Abrazo. Thank y'all so much for tuning in today and for hearing Carlos' story full of love, acceptance, and lots of success. Connect with him on LinkedIn to continue following his journey and his research. Link is in the show notes. And see y'all next week for more Cafecito en Chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow me on my personal IG at O Jasmine and find me on LinkedIn. Check out my website Odalis Jasmine for more information y con mucho amor tu amiga hondureña.